Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So does that sound okay, Cody, like that? Yeah, oh, like that? Great. It's okay? You sound All great. Right. Yeah. Already? Yeah. You already got it? Yeah, dude. It looks terrific. I'm not messing around, kid. It's it's a whole new Ken. A whole wow. new Ken flow. Wow. I got this is unbelievable. Use, audio equipment. I got like a little professional mic right there. You can barely see it. I got my little ears in over here. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Let's keep all of this. <laughs> the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of it. Let's hear that close to next. Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy O'Connor. Frank Mir does it again. Rock him, sock him, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullfighters. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot. Bang. It's Monday, November 28th, 2022, episode 374 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Look at Kenny Florian in all his glory, and I'm not even talking about the haircut. It's a brand new Macintosh computer, right? Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah, you better believe it. You whole new believe. man, whole new camera, whole new Kenny Florian headed into uh, 2023. And if you wanted to see him last Friday, the day after Thanksgiving... Uh, had to plunk down your money and see Ken Flo on pay-per-view. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. I, I miss Thanksgiving with the family, but uh, it was cool, man. You know, it was our, our first pay-per-view for the PFL. It was a big night, and, uh, you know, we had we had a great night of fight. So it was, it was exciting, man. It was awesome. So weigh-in day on Thanksgiving, that would seem to be pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Is that Ray Sefo doing that to everybody? What a guy. No, <laughs> it was a very special night and a special show. We will get into all of that. Time permitting, we'll also get into the UFC main event cancellation day of with Derek Lewis there and the new fight night, Kennedy and Zechiku and Iwan Kute Lava. A lot to recap there, but of course, the lead, at least uh, since we were last on the air, is that Yuri Prohaska has vacated the UFC light heavyweight championship. I guess most devastating shoulder injury in UFC history. So now Jan Bohovich and Magomed Ankalaev will fight for the now vacant light heavyweight championship at UFC 282. Coming up not that long from now, less than two weeks away. Kem Flo, your thoughts on all that? Yeah, that's right. You know, listen, this was terrible news, uh, obviously, for Yuri Prohaska, who was a newly minted champion uh, who was seemingly on top of the world and, you know, coming off his best performance of his career. 
and now it kind of takes down Glover Teixeira with him as well, which which was unfortunate. You know, Glover, you know, I guess, you know, didn't take the fight or the timing didn't work out or whatever it was. The circumstances around that kind of screwed everything up. So, yeah, I really feel for Yuri and Glover, uh, Yuri in particular. I, I hope he's able to come back from this injury. It sounds like it was a nasty one and shoulders can be really problematic, man. So that, that was horrible to hear. Um, he's still young, though. I, I, I'm, I'm confident that he will be able to come back. I hope it's nothing that is, um, is going to take him out um, and kind of limit him permanently. Sometimes you see guys come back and they are never the same. I hope that's not the case. Yuri has been one of the most exciting fighters in the world for a long time now. And then being the champion of the UFC, being on top of the world and not being able to compete and defend his belt for the first time, it, it, was, it was horrible news. The way he handled it, though, has to be lauded, right? Immediately vacating the yeah. title. And all indications are that he has guaranteed language that when he comes back, he will fight for the undisputed light heavyweight title, whenever that may be. But to just vacate and step aside and allow the division to continue without getting like secondary. I'm sure he got many opinions, right? But right. I don't know. It speaks to you know, the martial artist in him, that he wants the division to be a meritocracy to continue. And to that end, we have Jan Bohovic and Magomed Ankalaya. Plenty more on that coming up over the next two weeks. But you mentioned Glover Teixeira because that's a huge angle in all of this. And a lot of talking heads have spent a lot of time talking about this. In, in, in Glover wanting more time to prepare for Magomed Ankalaya, he would have fought Jan Bohovic on December 10th, but wanted more time to fight Ankalaev, who seems to be being classified as the number one contender can flow, right? Like Ma Magomed right. Ankalaev isn't going to have the red corner, right? Because he won't have the higher ranking. I have the fight card here somewhere. Um, but it seemed to me that, you know, lead horse in this man around whom the fight card was built was Magomed Ankalaev and Tashir wanted more time to prepare for that individual. Yeah, I understand that, right? Because Ankalaev is a big-time problem, um, not an easy guy, not an easy problem to solve. And I think that, um, you know, for Ankalaev, he's a guy that seemingly is always ready to go, always ready to rock. And, um, you know, that's not an easy challenge and a completely different challenge, in my opinion, than Yuri Prohaska. So Glover Teixeira was going to be fighting in Las Vegas, not at Madison Square Garden, locally close to Danbury, Connecticut, which I think had been his hope. But obviously, it was a pretty violent affair back in June in Singapore between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohaska. But it does beg the question, Kenny, in MMA, you never know what's going to happen. You really don't know what's going to happen if you're Glover Teixeira. And he is leaving a championship opportunity on the table and speaking maybe in a way that we haven't heard Glover Teixeira speak necessarily before. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really interesting as far as he is concerned. And for yourself as a championship athlete, I know there's a southpaw angle to all of this. I don't know. I think part of Glover had to be pretty inclined to maybe take the fight because he has you know, echoed to the masses that he's pretty close to the end and, and you just never know, right? He was at the tail end of what he thought was going to be maybe his final training camp as a UFC fighter. Well, you nailed it. That's what makes it so unfortunate and interesting um, on his decision because he is older, right? And who knows? This fight could never happen. We know, as you mentioned, uh, um, in mixed martial arts, anything can happen. And also, um, you know, your opportunities 
could run out completely. This fight may never, ever happen again. Yuri should be back in a year and a half. We're not sure if that is going to be uh, – it means he's ready to fight. It, does that mean he's ready to get back into camp? Does that – you know, so there's a lot of ifs there, and um, it, that just pushes things back. And, you know, when you're talking about training camps and staying active, all those things – Every month takes its toll on your body when you're that age. You oh, know? So again, I, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I, maybe yeah. I'm not speaking for Glover, but that stuff does take its toll. And for a guy who's getting up there in age a little bit, who's been around for a long time fighting, um, that could be tough. He's not as old as you nor I, but he's pretty old, that Glover Teixeira. Yeah. By the way, I mean, your headroom is a little bit grander than mine. Your hair sort of covers it. I mean, I can scrouch down a little bit here. Uh, I'll try to even this out, make it. I, Longo's going to ruin the aesthetic here coming up in 10 minutes, but uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. Real quick, how do you handicap Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Bohovic? I'd imagine Ankalaev will be the betting favorite if it's not already out there. I'm sure Cody will chase it right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Ankalaev versus Jan Bohovic. I know you're not prepared to give a an in-depth handicap today, but any quick thoughts on that? Uh, I'll do my best, man. I would say, what, uh, minus, minus 150, 165 for uh, Ankalaev? Is, is that about right? Do they have the odds out yet? I'd imagine we'll get them here imminently. Okay. Minus 240 for wow. Magomed Ankalaev. Wow, that's that's a little higher than I expected. That's uh, interesting. <clears throat> and I have to say, just in closing on that matter, plus 200 for Jan Bohovic. Even as a PFL guy now, Ken Flo, right? You got to acknowledge the UFC's ability to pivot, right? I mean, yeah. Chael Sonnen always talks about fight cards subject to change, right? But to have this fight and to be able to pivot with a former world champion and a guy in Magomed Ankalaev, whom in a lot of respects is the boogeyman in the division right now, I guess to everybody but Anthony Lionheart Smith, who didn't seem as enamored with him going into their fight as some others. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's they in a position where you don't have two titles on the line, right, which is the luxury oftentimes on pay-per-view, to be able to pivot to a light heavyweight championship in what long has been the UFC's glamour division, even if it isn't right now, um, you know, speaks to the depth and speaks to uh, at least some foresight by the UFC to, uh, to be ready to move on if something happened, you know, in the light heavyweight title fight. Yeah, no question about it. That's, that's the benefit of having such a deep car, such a deep roster of fighters in various divisions and having a roster that is, it has so much international flavor. These guys have, you know, fighters from all over the world, the best fighters from all over the world in which they can choose from. So, uh, kudos to the UFC and, and, and the whole staff. I know it's, um, it's a big burden on everybody anytime you get a, a fight switch up, especially so when it's a champion, world championship fight. All right, so PFL 10 during this 2022 season. I mean, deck was absolutely loaded. Where did you have your Thanksgiving dinner? In your hotel room? Did you order room service on Thanksgiving, Ken Flo? Be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I have a tendency of being a little bit of a hermit. I, I don't usually get out of my room very much, but yeah. uh, we, ha we, had a little, uh, we had a little Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you know, for the PFL guys and the staff. Uh, that I attended. So it was good. We got some good turkey in and it was good. It was surprising. It was like a couple blocks from uh, the hotel. So not too shabby. It was cool. Are you a big Thanksgiving guy? For me, I'm an NFL guy and I like yeah. food. So it's probably my favorite holiday. I mean, I, I have a really developing Christmas spirit as a Jewish man. I mean, I can't wait to get the Christmas tree up right now. 
But uh, Thanksgiving for me is a big deal. So, uh, you know, right. I'd be wanting to be 180 pounds as opposed to calling <laughs> fights if it were me. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, way, I'm a little bit over that. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, we, we had, uh, you know, we had pretty much everything you could have for Thanksgiving. I'm not a huge, like, turkey guy. You know, yeah. it's got to be pretty damn good for me to just be, like, digging into that turkey. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do. I like the stuffing. I like, uh, you know, like sweet potatoes. And, but I'm not a huge turkey yeah. guy. Maybe it's because I'm I was talking. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Just better for no. I mean, you know, I like to mix all that shit together. But I was yeah, less talking about the food and more the holiday. Like, oh, if gotcha. I'm Ken Flo's daughter, True Florian, I'm like, where's my dad on Thanksgiving? <laughs> Where I get, you know, I guess so for our kids, this sort of condition to yes. My daughters are expectant that I'm just going to be packing, unpacking, and leaving shit everywhere, and it's kind of the way it goes. Right. Um, so, by the way, if you notice me smirking, Cody was acknowledging that my my mug says Mrs. Anik. It says math teachers aren't mean. We're above average because I married a math teacher. <laughs> Mrs. Anik says my mug. Mm. All right. So let us get into this PFL card, which had a little bit of everything, even if it did not have the upset of the year, which will probably go to Leon Edwards over Kamar Usman. It had one of the biggest upset in modern mixed martial arts history. Larissa Pacheco, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you got it. Of course you got it. Over Kayla Harrison by unanimous decision. Unless my research is inaccurate, these women have now fought 13 rounds against one another, eight rounds back in 2019, five rounds here to decide the PFL title, and Larissa Pacheco, I went through her whole resume this morning, is now a world champion. She is now a millionaire. I think maybe you had to give your scorecard on the broadcast. You said Kayla at first, but after yeah. some initial uh, going back, you feel like Pacheco was the rightful winner in what was a close fight and seemingly came down to that fifth and final round. I do. I, I think it did come down to that fifth and final round, and I felt that Pacheco just did more damage out there, um, and I think that was the difference. So, for me, um, you know, it was close when I was watching it. When I went back and watched it again, I see. You know what? Uh, that was that was wrong. I, I got I got that wrong. I thought Pacheco won the fight. Um, so, yeah. Listen, I, I was screaming from the mountaintops about how good Pacheco is, and you look at the last couple seasons of what she's been doing. Um, to to the women out there in her division at 155 pounds uh, was nothing short of remarkable. I mean, there was no one who was giving her a challenge. She looked more dominant in a lot of instances, certainly in a different way, but was looking very dominant in how she was finishing her her opponents out there. And I said, you know, this is a tough fight. I'm telling everybody this is going to be a really tough fight. If there's one person who can do it, it's Larissa Pacheco. She was in the UFC at 20 years old. She had like, you know, didn't have as much experience now. You look at the way she looks now and how ripped she is and the kind of shape she's in and the improvement in her striking and grappling and overall game, how she committed herself to staying in the United States and training with some of the best people in the world. Man, she is a beast, and there, there was no time during that fight where she willingly conceded any position. She was fighting tooth and nail every single ounce of the way, as was Kayla Harrison, by the way. This was the first time that I saw Kayla Harrison you know, hurt and taking big shots. Um, so both those women really put on a show. I thought it was a great fight by both women, um, and I think we'll see both women probably fight each other again, and both will be even better than last time. So who is that, George Greenberg, who makes you <clears throat> give your scorecard on the air as you're calling the fight? That's yeah, tough stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a lot of pressure on me. All right, sorry about the voice. So in terms of her career, Pacheco, pro debut 2012, 
She TKO'd Irene Aldana Jungle Fight 2013, UFC debut against Jessica Andrade 2014. She was submitted in that fight. We might have called it. I don't even know. Uh, then she fights Jermaine Durandamy at UFC 185 in 2015. Goes from 10 and 0 to 10 and 2. Cut from the UFC, doesn't fight from 2015 to 2018, then comes back, defeats Kadol Hoza, credentialed UFC fighter, then goes to the PFL, gets all this experience against Kayla Harrison, and now takes her O in this way. And not unlike Ronda Rousey, Kayla Harrison walking back into her new life. I think Kayla will handle this, I think, better in a lot of respects than Ronda did, at least as far as her competitive spirit and her desire to channel this in the right way. But what are your thoughts now on this division and in particular Kayla Harrison moving forward after uh, her first professional MMA loss. You know, um, I, I don't know exactly how the PFL is going to move on after this exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them fight again uh, in a rematch, uh, maybe at, at, even at 145 pounds perhaps. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll... I'm not sure about what happens to the division next year, but I do know that both women would be interested in a rematch and on a pay-per-view. So I don't know exactly how they're going to proceed from here, but um, I don't know. I mean, again, this is a season that is absolutely brutal. It is tough on both women. I'm sure they would prefer to just have a super fight than have to go through the whole season again and have four fights and four brutal fights in eight months. We did call that fight, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, that's that. UFC wow. Fight Night 51, Bigfoot Silva versus Andre Arlovsky 2. Nice. So, by the way, extra adrenaline energy rifling through your body on pay-per-view a little bit? A little extra pep in your step on pay-per-view night or no? Oh, for sure. Absolutely, man. The, the energy is just different. And anytime you have a fight in New York City, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, uh, I, I felt it. I mean, we had a bunch of, bunch of UFC champs in the, in the building as well. Flava Flav walking around, George yeah. St. Pierre walking around, Henry Cejudo, Aljo. It was, uh, Ray Longo, the star yes. of the Anakin Florian podcast was in the building. Yes, yeah. it was an Anakin Florian podcast reunion. George St. Pierre was on the cans with you for a little bit. He was. Yes? He was. Him Him, and uh, we <clears> had <throat> the, the legend Frankie Edgar on there as well, dude. So, uh, and before you left, you witnessed some horrific car accident, did you Oh, not? my gosh. Dude, dude, th this was crazy. I almost forgot about it. Um, yeah, all, literally on the way to the airport, I, you know, I get an Uber. Um, I'm, I'm going to the airport. I have my face buried in my phone, just like, oh, scrolling. And um, we roll up to what was an insane accident. The Uber driver's like, how did the police officer not see that? Some police officer just drove right by. And I'm like, what? What's, what's going on? I look up and I see... Five cars scattered all over the highway. Um, one car, one big SUV on top of another car. And I was like, pull over, pull over. So we pull over. We're the first car to come up. We get out of the car. We roll up. As I'm walking towards this car that's flipped up, John, the thing is on fire. I mean, the engine's on fire. I'm thinking, this thing's going to explode. So I'm like, what the heck's going on? I was like, we got to get these people out of the car. We go, we go over, we smash the window. Um, oh, my God, on One bro. side, we had to bring a, a lady out. <laughs> I go to the other side. Some lady who was helping out, like, walks away from the car, be like, oh, Lord, I can't, I can't, walks away from the car. I look in, I see a, a, a woman in kind of like nurse, you know, clothing, uh, keeled over into the passenger seat and trapped into her seatbelt. And I'm like, oh my God, is she, 
is she dead? You know, I, I have no idea if she's passed or anything. And meanwhile, I'm trying to manage. I yell over to the construction workers to see if they had, there was a construction site right across the street. I'm telling them they have a, um, a fire extinguisher. They're scrambling. They're getting people over here. Now more people are kind of helping out and joining us. And it's eventually, you know, I, I look over, I go back and check on the lady. I'm like, I need to, if she's alive, I need to get her out of this car in case this thing blows up. And I'm trying to talk to her. I see that she's moving. She's moving her neck. She's moving her spine. That's another thing that I was concerned with. Do I move her? You know, her car was caved in on one side. I mean, it was a, it was the worst car accident I've seen. It, it was, it was, people are not going to be right after that one. That was bad. I see that she's moving. She's trying to sit up. She's trapped in her seatbelt. I take her out of her seatbelt. I pick her up. I drag her out of the car. I'm like, you know, trying to get her to walk a little bit in case that car explodes. Someone comes over, they put out the fire. I'm like helping her sit up. Ambulance, police are coming in. And within seconds, dude, they have three people in cuffs and handcuffs. You know, ambulance, you know, kind of the EMTs kind of came in and took over. And, you know, we, we kind of stepped away. And at that point, I was like, you know, I'm missing my flight for sure. It was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes had passed. And I always roll up to the airport last minute like a dummy. And, you know, as luck would have it, my flight got delayed perfectly in time for me to step on that plane and get there. And, you know, I just, it was one of those things. It wasn't until the, I got to the airport that I realized what happened. It was, it was crazy. Again, like we talk about it before, man, you know, with the unfortunate things that have happened with our friends and family around us, you never know if that's your last day or not. You don't know what's going to happen. That was one of those situations that kind of hits you in the face. Like, man, be grateful. And, and again, for me, I, I was 10 seconds away from maybe being in it. And it looks like it was, you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much, but I, I guess someone said that someone was drinking and driving as 1030 in the morning. And you think that stuff wouldn't happen, but man, it does. And uh, I just hope those people in the accident are, are going to be okay, dude. Well, that's heavy. And I'm sure you have probably no way to get in touch with these people. Right? No, that no, I don't. Wow. That's incredible, man. You know, I saw briefly that you posted something about it because my wife had come across it. And then mm. it was a comment by your wife sort of speaking to your humility that made me think I needed to dive in a little bit. But I didn't realize the gravity of it. But uh, yeah, of course, Ken Flo to the rescue wants no credit, but I hope those people will be OK. And it's scary, right? Because I would say probably 30 percent of people maybe pull over and perhaps that's the optimist in me. Perhaps it's less. There were people, I mean, people were driving by or going around it, you know, I, I, it was, uh, it's tough. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I reacted that way, but for me, man, if I was in that accident, I'm passed out or knocked out, I would want someone to kind of come in and, um, it, it was especially dangerous and it needed to be addressed because of that fire on top of the car, you know, that that's really what was, uh, worrying me. Well, that's pretty jarring as a way to begin your trip, but good on you, man, for, uh, for helping save those people. Man, that's heavy. All right, so Larissa Pacheco is a millionaire. So is Brendan Lochnane, if I'm not mistaken. Olivier Obama-Mercier, Rob Wilkinson. I mean, where do we want to begin? Robbie fucking Wilkinson, right? <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, good yeah. for OAM. I remember so many fighter meetings with this guy and so much potential and such a great base to realize MMA success. Let's start with Olivier Aubin-Mercier. What can you tell us about uh, the fight and ultimately what led, led up to uh, the huge knockout of Stevie Ray for the million bucks? 
You know, I, I had seen OM around TriStar here and there. I didn't know too much about him. I had the opportunity to go out and, and visit him in Montreal. The, we did a feature uh, for the PFL out there and got a chance to really know him. And, man, what a humble, nice dude. Lives so simply, John, and that's all he cares about. Even after – he goes, if I win the million dollars, I'm going to win the same – I'm going to live in the same way. I'll probably be in the same place, have the same car, have my bicycle and my skateboard <laughs> to roll around town in. And, um, man, to see him win in the, ma- in the manner in which he did it against Stevie Ray, one of the toughest dudes out there, uh, ended up getting a knockout, just a beautiful right-hand uh, a check hook that surprised Stevie Ray and, and knocked him out. Um, and it was, it was a round where Stevie Ray was actually winning. The first round was Olivier. Right. He was using his footwork. Second round, he, uh, was kind of in some big time trouble, had his back taken, which is the worst position to be in against Stevie Ray. He ultimately gets out, surprises him with that right hook, which was just nasty, getting his first finish uh, of the season. You know, he was kind of being criticized of being very strategic and all that. So to see him get a, get a finish here in the final, uh, was tremendous for him and, uh, what a performance. I can't speak to any one of these individuals and their perceived financial freedom, right? But I certainly know that a million bucks helps, even if they only drop $720,000 into your bank account or whatever. So to our audience at Anacflorian Pod, if you did get $720,000 dropped into your (laughs) bank account on a Monday morning, what would you buy? Would you buy something? (laughs) Would you spend a couple hundred bucks on like a Nintendo Switch? What would you buy? I'm curious if uh, if anybody would uh, would go buy something or if you just sit on the money like Olivier Obama Mercier. But I'm always happy to see a good egg realize success when they leave the UFC, when you know they have top 15 talent, right? Because don't tell me, and I know the lightweight division is loaded, but don't tell me that OAM is not a top 15, top 20 lightweight in the world. And, uh, you know. He's got a million bucks and he's got a lightweight championship. How about Rob Wilkinson over Omari Akhmedov, TKO, Dr. Stoppage at the end of round two. A lot of our UFC audience probably knows the history with Rob Wilkinson. He was the victim of Israel Adesanya and Adesanya's UFC debut attempted, you know, more than a dozen takedowns. And Rob Wilkinson has been remade. He now trains stateside at Factory X. Actually hasn't been there all that long, but, uh, you know, a change your life type of evening for Rob Wilkinson as well. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, and he's trained actually a lot with Izzy as well. He's gone over there and, and trained with the guys over at City Kickboxing as well. Um, and has transformed himself into a completely different dude. First of all, you look at him now, John, you go, how the hell did this yeah. guy make 185 pounds? He looks massive at 205. Um, so, yeah, he's been working, you know, just diligently on his striking and his overall game. And you could see it every fight he was in. He got the finish. He looked absolutely fantastic. It was a war against Omari while it lasted. Omari was not going away easily, but it was still a dominant performance for, uh, for him. You know, he definitely landed some shots on Rob, but uh, Rob was, was, you know, uh, dominating that fight for the most part and end up getting the win. And um, he was just perfect all, all year, all year long. And, yeah. and I, I'm telling you, he's another guy that could easily be in the top 15 in the world in any organization as well, just based on what he's done with his game and, and, and how he's looked and just confidence wise, physically, uh, he's a beast. Plenty more on the PFL pay-per-view coming up with Ray Longo, who was in the building smiling and holding babies and all that, but now playing on UFC Fight Pass, a one-of-a-kind UFC documentary about the challenging upbringing of former UFC strawweight champion Rose Namajunas. It debuted at the Austin Film Festival and now resides on UFC Fight Pass. Thug Rose, mixed martial artist, examines the adversity and triumphs of one of the UFC's brightest stars, is now available on UFC Fight Pass. All right. 
Let us get to the Ray Longo Minute. So how would you like to learn to overcome your fears? How to get up after being knocked down? How to be more resilient? Well, there's a new podcast out there hosted by Rick Sanchez. Let me tell you a little bit about Rick Sanchez. This is really interesting. Rick Sanchez is one of the few people out there who has interviewed four United States presidents and also Fidel Castro, Mikhail Gorbachev, and Manuel Noriega. He has some amazing stories to tell. He was the first Latino journalist to have a nationally televised show named after him on CNN. And you know what he did after he was fired by CNN? He went on to build a $4.4 billion company. Well, now he's built another company called Agua Media, and he has a podcast called the Rick Sanchez Podcast, where he takes everything he has learned along the way and teaches you how to overcome fear, how to develop a routine, how to message properly, how to succeed. It is inspirational, it is aspirational, and can help you change your life. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Rick Sanchez Podcast on Agua Media. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business. And it says, there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 190 years, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, I hope Ray Longo got the VIP treatment at the uh, Professional Fighters League event over the weekend. The great Raymond Peter Longo now joins us live. What's up, Ray? Oh, man, what a what a great, great night of fights. And we did get the VIP treatment. Thank you to Craig Savage and... Uh, and also Warren, who uh, orchestra, I think helped orchestrate that. So we had a great time. It was great seeing Ken Flo. And again, you know, Cody it was great seeing Cody. But Cody was, man, Cody was styling, man. Ha! Two dime gotta pieces. Love it. No, no, John, two dime pieces. Oh, yeah, he's, got, he's walking in with one on each arm. Like, what's that's going what on? Me, that's what I said before. Me and Kenny were looking at each other, holding our ding-dongs, not knowing which way to look. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. Horrible. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you for the uh, the live reporting. 
and yeah, the journalistic we, integrity. Oh, yeah. So, oh, there's uh, always journalistic integrity, John. <laughs> so Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo decided that this PFL event would be a good time to do a stare down alongside manager Ali Abdelaziz, who obviously does not represent Aljamain Sterling, or not so obviously, but what can you tell us about having a ringside seat for all of that noise? Oh, I thought Aljo was on point. He, we, I don't think he just was, he was relentless with Cejudo. It was actually, huh. it was comical, John. I'm telling you, it was really funny. <laughs> I don't think he left the guy alone for two seconds. He just tortured <laughs> him the whole night. Uh, it just verbally or just, uh, you know, does he do that height gesture, right? That has become very popular. No, right. no, in the but... NBA, Ken Flo, do you know about this? The NBA and the NFL, right? Obviously more so in the NBA, which is a big man's game, but I believe it was CeeDee Lamb, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, caught a ball this weekend. And then, you know, you do this gesture as if like, nah, bro, you're fucking down here, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It was like, well, we we were trying to match him up. We had Pumi Nakuda who was back in the house also. So we were trying to match him up size-wise to see if we had a good sparring partner for Aljo. So it looks like we're in good shape. Right. <laughs> yeah. Grab we're either bringing retired. in him or, or we're going to see if we can get Herbie Villachez to come in and do some uh, sparring. Kenny, do you know that reference? No, I don't. I mean, we were both born in the 1970s. What on God's green earth are you talking about? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm you ever see that? You ever see the series, The Plane, The Plane Boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I get yeah, it. You guys got to get back on you the plane, movie plane. trivia. It's oh, essential. Gosh. Movie trivia is essential. Terrible with names. Yeah. Movie trivia sounds very inessential right now in my life. I mean, certainly mixed martial arts trivia would be useful. Sports trivia, child care, first aid, CPR, but movie trivia, no. Really? So you put I've that said, on the back burner. I've said put, before, and put, Kenny you're, knows you're this. Put, wait a minute. You're putting CPR ahead of movie trivia. <laughs> Kenny knows this all too well that when they show the celebrities on pay-per-view, I'm freaking out. It gives me anxiety to get them all right because I don't know who a lot of these people are. I know MMA celebrities, but I don't necessarily right. know the uh, the pop cultural icons in the canon that I should know. All right. No, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty bad at that, too. But I think the PFL did a great job that night. The show was packed and it was uh, the ambiance was great. The fights were great. I heard you talk about Wilkinson. Yeah, he looks like a beast. Uh, you know, he look. It was a more uh, the the other guy's hard head that it was Wilkinson. You know what I mean? He landed enough sh shots that would put the ordinary guy out. So he looked great, a hundred percent. How about Kempfo live on pay per view? Huh? In no, all his element, right? All his element. Yes, of course. Hey, uh, Ray was 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 Brendan Lochnane over at your gym? Is that right? Yeah, he he used the gym. Somebody okay. totally put up a tweet that yeah, he he just used the gym. He had his own coaches. Nice. Uh, yeah. I think he knew uh, he knew Nazim Sadikov. He knew Nas from Thailand. Okay. I think they might have trained together. I might be wrong on that, but uh, what a great camp! That guy's really good, man. He I mean, is. just watching him watching him train. Great reflexes, quick as a motherfucker. I mean, yeah. just they had that thing on point. What a great! I think that was the fight of the night to me. Uh, yeah. Because Bubba Jenkins is no joke. He's a beast. He, he shut that guy down completely. Yeah. Really, really beautiful to watch. And congrats to uh, their whole team. And uh, I think Hickman's the wrestling coach. He did a great job on the takedown defense, I guess. You know, they just did a they, – they had that thing squared away, man. It was really good. Got to feel good for Brendan Lochnane for all of these men and women. How about Larissa yeah. Pacheco, Ray Longo, taking Kayla Harrison's though, huh? 
I'll tell you what, you know, I ran out after Lock Lane's fight. Cause I oh, did you? I did run out. Cause <laughs> no. there was like, a, there was an 1138 train. I go, you know what? I got too much gotcha. shit to do the next day. I got to get out of here. Cause we got there early. We had a great, like, again, we had, a, everybody had a great time. Al, Joe, Al, uh, Nas, Dylan Montello. We just, uh, Oh really yeah. Name yeah. them all. Name every last one of them. <laughs> we just, how much would it cost for Anakin Florian LLC? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't make it. Bemoan the fact. Hey, so why can't Anakin Florian LLC, Kenny, send a black car for this guy after he attends a PFL event? He's leaving this historic upset in this championship main event to catch public transportation at 1138 at 55 years old. I mean, what are we yeah. doing here? I mean, yeah, let's put him in a black car in the Uber. Come on. John, thanks for your compassion. I had to, I had to limp my way back to the train. It was awful. <laughs> well, no, I know. I mean, obviously if it was, if you were ascending and it was uphill, you'd be fine. But if there's any sort of decline, we're in real fucking trouble. Oh no. Decline. Decline's a, a decline. How Forget you know? it. Yeah. Because my that? twin brother saw you walking down the stairs after uh, a recent win inside the world famous octagon, and uh, no, the know. stairs the stairs aren't even bad. But if I had like like a hill, would it yeah. decline? Holy crow! That I got to figure that out. Going up is no problem. Coming down, not just good. sit down on the fucking caboose and slide it down. Yeah, <laughs> is that where I'm heading? I gotta well, get I mean, a, you could travel with uh... that. Damn. All right, so. Uh, so a few other things I wanted to get into with you. Um, the UFC light heavyweight throne is now vacant. And this is just a crazy story. I'm on vacation with my family in St. Petersburg, Florida. By the way, Raymond, how was your Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, we haven't talked since Thanksgiving. <laughs> Does it feel like we have? Is this that old to you? Oh, man. Thanks. Wasn't Thanksgiving like two weeks ago? <laughs> was was it not just three three days ago? Was, yeah, so, you know, a few days ago. They, they, when you're in a time bubble like me, man, things are just rolling. So, was, what did you good. do for you Thanksgiving? Did you have a good time? No, yeah, I had just, a great yeah. time. Very okay. very mellow. All right, that's good. All right. So Yuri Prohaska vacates the light heavyweight title because of this severe shoulder injury. We now have this new title fight with Jan Bohovich and Magomed Ankalaev. We have this Glover Teixeira angle in all of this. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I kind of read what Glover said. I'm I'm kind of with him. I think they should have postponed it and gave Glover the shot. He's been a company man for a while. I think he's done everything they wanted him to do. I think they owed him that. But So you're saying go Glover Teixeira versus Magomed Ankalaev, but in January or February yeah, or Yeah, March. if he needed more time, I agree with that, yeah. All right, so then what do you propose for the UFC 282 headliners? There, therein lies the issue, right? They needed a championship main event for the pay-per-view December 10th. Hey, sometimes you can't always get what you want. <laughs> well, I mean, I lauded the UFC off the top of the show for being able to pivot effectively and having yeah. this fight and having these athletes ready, but it can't be UFC 282, Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon, because I believe that's the co-main event right now, right? So. Cool. So something had to be done. Like, I don't disagree that, you know, Teixeira was wrong for lack of a better verb to whatever degree. But, uh, you know, show must go on. Show yeah, must go yeah. On. No, no, without a doubt. No, they're both they, everybody. You know, they both have their cases for what they're doing. And look, it's a business and they had to do what they had to do, which is which is great. I'm just saying I do agree with Glover. I, you know, he's got my sentiments to what he's saying. But as from a business standpoint, no, the pivoting was great. 
and they're making that happen, and it's it's all good. <clears throat> all right, so uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is fighting in a main event in Orlando, Florida. I know you got deep ties to uh, WB and the Thompson clan. Back for the first time in a while, obviously, and, and fighting very dangerous in all phases, Kevin Holland. What are your thoughts on this Orlando main event and your guy Thompson as a slight underdog? Uh, yeah, look, I think he's a slight underdog because the last couple of fights, obviously the wrestling wasn't where it should have been to uh, keep that fight where he wanted it to be. I think this fight will be different. You know, he's a tall, lanky guy, but Wonder Boy standing up, I'm sure he's seen that type of crap forever. So I think standing up, you know, look, he's getting older too, but I still think he'll be able to handle it unless, uh, you know, the wrestling becomes a, another issue. But I think, I think Wonder Boy is going to do great in that fight. All bias aside, that sounds like somebody should be going to the window to bet on Wonder Boy plus one. <laughs> oh no, you sound pretty convicted. How, what what kind of underdog is he? Plus one twenty. It's modest. Yeah, I'd say I'm betting it, but I don't want to be banned from the sport like some other people. There you go. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on all of that since you opened the can? And I guess uh, if our audience doesn't know. <laughs> There was a fight involving Derek Minner, trained by James Krause, Glory, MMA, and Fitness. And anyone who has followed this show knows that James Krause is an avid mixed martial arts handicapper and better. He was on this show in a regular role for a time as an MMA handicapper. Uh, and it seems as though there was something uh, that resulted in him sort of stepping away or being momentarily suspended by the UFC. There's an investigation going on. Uh, this is crazy. I would think this would give a lot of people pause to uh, to get involved in any way, shape, or form as far as uh, the doc side is concerned, you know? Right. I mean, look, so you have to be careful as a trainer because, you know, we joke about it over here. Like, you know, when the guy's going to have his last fight, you know, like the guys that really bet heavy, they're like, can you just tell us what's going to happen? So, uh <laughs> Hey, I don't know. I, I think uh, I'm not I'm not a big gambler, so it's not it doesn't really affect me at all. But uh, if you want to hear some good stories, talk to me after the podcast. Well, uh, that's great. Nothing, and nothing I'm going to say on the podcast. No, hey, well, that, that's but great. It's, a, it's pretty interesting. I'll be honest with you. Well, it's tricky in terms of injuries, right? Because you can just look at the NFL and some of these propositions, right? Wide receiver Alan Lazard over under 70 and a half yards. And you see the guy at a picnic and he's saying to you like, yeah, man, I'm just I'm not healthy on this wheel. I'm going to try to gut it out there. But there's no fucking way he's getting to 70 and a half yards. Right. That's inside information. Doesn't always go your way. A lot of us knew that Conor McGregor was injured going into the Chad Mendez fight. Didn't necessarily. I mean, it didn't result in a loss. Right. And. You know, people could say to me going into the Aljamain Sterling TJ Dillashaw fight, like, you know, on which side do you fall? And I would never even say this until after the fact, but I really liked Aljo in that minus 170 range. I thought there was a lot of value there. I had no clue that TJ Dillashaw was, hurt, yeah. you know, but, but injuries it, is the yeah. rub here. Yes. Think about if you did know, though, what that would have meant. Right. Well, right. Like if, right. If we all knew that he's going in there well, and we kind of had a clue, but. Think about and that. You go, I had no clue. And, and yeah. not all injuries are created equal either, right? So if you have right, a guy exactly. who is, let's say, you know, uses his right leg primarily or uses a certain move and his whatever it happens to be compromised, it's like it changes the whole game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you, Kenny, though. So uh, 
like at the open workouts, he didn't work out. Like I was there. He came out, he threw yeah. t-shirts into the crowd. And I was like, wow, what is he like? It was, I was thinking like, what is he doing? What's the play? I was trying to figure out what's the play on that. He's not working out. He's throwing. Is he just trying to get in Aljo's head? Just disrespectfully. I don't even have to show anybody a workout. I didn't know what was going on, but now in hindsight, there's a reason, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you know, like, again, I would say, like, I'm not that guy. Even if my guy's injured, I'd never bet against him. But there's, I'm, I think I'm a minority. There's certainly people oh, that, that occasion. Oh, no, John, I don't even want to get into it with you. But I would never do that. Just that I, I just couldn't do it. I don't, I don't know. But there's other people Well, the people fight that, in question had major line movement. Obviously, we did not see that yeah. in Sterling Dillashaw. But you're absolutely right, Ray. There were some signs on the wall um, our fighter meeting it just felt like there was something amiss that he was holding something back so it's not as though there weren't things that maybe you could speculate on but right. uh I, I i it's very interesting for me as just somebody who has been in the gambling space for 26 years and uh i find the whole thing fascinating i've said yeah. repeatedly i'm glad i'm contractually prevented from betting on mma i don't think i would do well i really don't think i would do well oh i'm with you i'm because i i uh you know, I'm, I, I told you from the beginning, I bet with my heart and that's, you know, I can't, it's hard for me to, unless I really sit there and look at the fights and really analyze them, I'm just going with my heart and that's not, that's not the way to bet for sure. All right, we got a tweet coming in from Tommy Too Much 2013 Wants to know what it's like for Ray Longo in terms of his celebrity status walking the floor at this PFL event. What's it like for you? I mean, are you just swinging and banging, wearing a blazer, just being Ray Longo? <laughs> uh, whatever it is, I love it. <laughs> yeah, look, I love meeting new people. I love, I love it all. I do love it all, and you know, if I can make somebody happy by taking a picture, man, I'll take. Oh, a there it is. There you it is. How mean? many photos? We'll set the over under at thirteen and a half. Did you take fourteen or more photos at the PFL live event? No. Definitely. Under. Okay. All right. I wasn't yeah, I would have bet the under. Seat. I would have bet the under. Out of my seat much either, except for I only came out of my seat for Cody and to go see Kenny. That was it. Hey. Yeah. You know. Some nice photos of all you attractive people. Uh, Ken Flo, over under 17 and a half photos for you fight night. I'll say under. Under. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know why? Because Kempflow is like, like, I'm good with those germs, though. I'll save people's <laughs> lives. I'll I was save working. Your life. I was yeah. focused on the cage, just looking ahead. Yeah. By the way, did you know Ken Flo Ray uh, was like Gosh. pulling people? I know. Sorry. He doesn't want me <laughs> to do this. What was he doing? In pulling, you know, people to safety out of burning vehicles a few days ago. That's no, all. I didn't. But yeah. I expect nothing less from him, but I didn't know that. Uh, no. Yeah. Kevin Holland, Kenny Florian, fucking ah. real life heroes, all these guys. Wow. Man. They are. Yep. Facts. Wow. There's just and you facts. Got to see your, he, Kenny got to see his old friend, GSP. Yes. Georgie. Yeah. Always good. To, what a, what a nice guy. He's always, awesome. always great to see him. Always great attitude. Uh, I introduced him to a couple of the guys on the team. They was definitely starstruck and happy and just you know, beautiful. Yeah. He had a lot, a lot of people were there, Kenny. Yes. I, th I thought they did a fantastic job on that. Definitely. All right, my man. Well, uh, we can keep it short and sweet today, but it's great to see you. Got a little cold brew going in the afternoon here, 2.37 p.m. Eastern. You look a little frazzled in the hair region as well. <laughs> He's training people. He's moving around. As long as I, I – my hair didn't look bad in those pictures, though, so I'm happy. <laughs> you did look like a million dollars in He did, form. dude. 
he did. Uh, what a great yeah. night, though. But uh, congrats, Kenny, on that, too. Everything looks Thank like you. it's going great for you. And uh, the other kid does a good job, too, O'Donnell. Yeah, he O'Connell. He does a good yeah, job with John, the yeah. <laughs> You know? I love yeah. when you butcher the names of fellow play-by-play guys. If you're going <laughs> to no, drop what, them, what, you might as well wait, butcher them. Name? You want me O'Connell. to O'Connell. Sean O'Connell. Yeah, O'Donnell. Sean O'Connell. He loves you, by the way, Ray. So he loves both of you guys. I know he's close with Volante, too. Those guys have a funny relationship. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think he does a great job. It was a really good night. It was fun. All right. Well, well, you have a great day and a better evening. And uh, we appreciate your time, as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next week in advance of, uh, of UFC 282. Unless you got anything else. No, just happy Thanksgiving. And let me just wish you a Merry Christmas now in case I forget when it comes up. I'm out of here. This guy, the holiday spirit for Ray Longo. Sounds like a pretty festive Thanksgiving. Intimate, perhaps even festive as well. All right, so... I'm not sure how much of the UFC live events you saw, but obviously this is not the first time that something has happened to Derek Lewis very close to fight night. If memory serves, there was another time in which he had a back injury and had to pull out. And then this was fight day. And you got to feel for Sergey Spivak. I mean, this was a showcase opportunity for him. The hay is in the barn, as they say. And, uh, you know, that was certainly disappointing. Kennedy and Zechiku takes advantage. I don't know if you have anything on on the Black Beast or or in Zechiku before we move on. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to see the fight, but uh, yeah, it was really unfortunate, you know, for for both those guys. Do, do we know what the injury was, John? I didn't, I didn't see the news about it, but what, was it another back injury for Derek Lewis? No, or? I think it was an illness of some uh, kind, non COVID related illness, but right. very unfortunate nonetheless. But Nzechiku did take advantage and uh, you know showed his medal once again, and that's a guy to root for. You know, his mom is sick with ALS, yes. and his fighting career is essentially. Uh, you know, supporting that cause. So you got to feel good for the uh, the Fortis MMA product of the General Safe Saud, Kennedy, and Zechiku. All right. We have got a huge UFC fight night coming up this weekend. I'm going to just quickly name the fights that we are not picking, right, that are very close on the betting line. I had to eliminate a lot of fights, right? I got my guy, Ken Flo, giving his holiday to the PFL, and I was going to ask him to make 11 predictions for a <laughs> UFC fight night that is not on ABC, that is not on ESPN, that is on ESPN+. Plus. So you know what? We're not going to do that. But these are the fights that we're not picking that I really like. Um, well, Natan Levy and Renato Valdez. I mean, I like that fight. But no, Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. Jonathan Pierce, JSP could be a world champion, right? And Darren Elkins is the fucking man. We're not picking that fight because of the widespread. Michael Johnson versus Mark Casey. Another great fight. That one's a lightweight. We're not picking that. Retirement fight for Scott Holtzman against former Ken Flo foe Clay Guida. Can't pick that fight just because of time. And also Angela Hill and Emily Ducote, two of the strawweight division's top 13, not picking that fight as well. So that is sort of my preamble telling you, you know what, kid? You're fucking lucky. You're lucky (laughs) that you're only making eight picks today uh, to that end. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, value boys. Let's go. What's up? What's up? What's up? Ken Flo, the hero. I saw the face. The hero, Ken Flo. (laughs) Everybody had a good Thanksgiving, I'm assuming. Yeah, man. 
Good, How good, was your good. Thanksgiving, Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA? It was uh, it was good. It was a good Thanksgiving. Went over the in-laws, had good, some good food, watched some football. It was good. That's what you, I had to work the next day, but other than that, it was great. What was the best thing you ate or drank? See, I, you see, I don't like the turkey slander. I'm a turkey. I like turkey. I know. I do too. Everyone's like, I'd rather ham. No, no, no. I like the turkey. The turkey was good. They also made a roast because some people didn't like the turkey, but I like the turkey the best. All right. Yeah, I mean, I go turkey stuffing. I don't go mashed potatoes. I go turkey stuffing, gravy, cranberry sauce. Give it to me right out of the mix fucking it all, can. Mix it all mix together. Mix it all together. Yes. And just fucking Drano. 7,500 calories later. Food coma. <laughs> there it is. Right? There it is. So, Bri, you heard a little yeah. bit what I had to say about some of the depth of this fight card. Now, mm-hmm. I have 30 athletes to prepare. I've prepared four of them as we sit here on Monday. So, I got 26 to go, four down. A lot of meat on the bone for this yeah. UFC fight night to honor uh, the V Foundation and Seward Scott and uh, and that initiative. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's a, it's a home game for you, kind of. I mean, I don't know how we're driving. Long. We're driving. We're driving. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's insane. These these are three fight cards left of the year, and then we have like a month off, and they're jamming a lot in these three months here, or th- excuse me, these three cards. And uh, I mean, it kicks off in Orlando, and I, I mean, it's packed, jam packed. All right, so I budgeted 30 minutes for our eight selections. Go as long or short as you like, and uh, we'll see how it goes. First fight for us in the women's flyweight division. Little bit of a stunner that this one did not land on the main card. Speaks to the depth overall. Amanda Hibas, now a UFC women's flyweight competitor. Minus 120 here against the streaking Tracy Cortez. Even money, the underdog for Cortez at plus 100. Cortez has won 10 in a row, Bri, 4-0 in the UFC. A lot of people maybe like her in that role of underdog. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Cortez and Hebos here in a prelim fight. This is such a prove it fight if I've ever seen one because Amanda Hebos ran through Dern and everyone's like, she's the next star. And then she dropped Marina Rodriguez and then she dropped one to Chikagian. But I think everyone besides Ken Flo has lost a split decision to Caitlin Chikagian. So that's not that big of a deal, right? It was a very, very close fight. But Hebos is very, very good. She's infectious when she gets on the mic. People root for her. I root for her. And then you got Cortez, who's part of a power couple in MMA. Maybe one of the best looking MMA power couples that have ever existed. Huh. But we'll let that fool you because she is a dog in there. I mean, she has a win over Aaron Blanchfield outside the UFC. That speaks of, uh, and a lot of people think that she lost that fight. But regardless, it's still a dub. Still a green stripe, as John says on our Wikipedia page. She's got great wrestling, great pressure. Her stand-up is coming along, but it's not quite there yet. She's still pushing her punches a little bit. And she's doing all the right things. She's working out the right people. But this is a big step up in competition. This is a prove it fight. Baby gloves off. We're giving you this star. Can you do it? I don't think she can. I think Heboss is going to win this fight. I think she has more tools here. She fought, uh, Heboss fought Wiener Janjaroba, and I butchered her name, but she fought a very good wrestler and handled it very well. And I just don't think uh, Cortez's pressure is going to be all that much like it has been in her other fights. So give me Hebos here by decision. I don't love it though. Yeah. You know, it's not a fight I'm really running the bet, but my pick is Hebos. And that Vina Janji double was good enough for me, by the way, for Thank the record. You. So yeah. Ken Flo, all four of Tracy Cortez's UFC wins have come by decision to this point. She beat Melissa Gatto back at UFC 274 on May 7th. Your thoughts on her? in what is a crossroads fight here against Amanda Hebas. It is. You know, listen, I think that she needs a little bit more time to um, acquire the, the skills necessary to kind of move up in this division. And I think she's going to be short on experience as well against Amanda, Amanda Hebas. So uh, I'm with Hebas on this one. 
Tracy Cortez, by the way, longtime pupil under Santino DeFranco, author of There Are No Hospitals in Russia and guest here on the uh, Anakin Florian podcast. Santino DeFranco, great MMA mind out there in the corner for a long time of Tracy Cortez. All right. At welterweight, Nico Price is back. Minus 140 here against Phil Rowe, plus 120 for Rowe, who has two straight stoppage wins. Bry, this would appear to be a definite step up in competition Mm -hmm. here against the UFC tested Price, 15th UFC appearance for Nico. First, though, in more than a year. Your thoughts on this one? This fight confuses me because we got, I mean, essentially two middle, mid-level welterweights. Nico Price has 12 fights in UFC. Philip Rowe has three. The number is what I kind of thought it was. But, man, I keep staring at that Philip Rowe number at plus 120 like it's a fucking gold mine right there. But I don't know because Phil, uh, because Nico Price, is he, he's, he's this unique guy where when he came to the UFC, I thought he was just a slang and banger. I'm going to put you out. You're going to put me out. But he's well-rounded his game out a little bit. And the Phil Rowe wins in the UFC, even though they have come impressively with finishes, against the people they've come against doesn't really do anything to me. The Gabe Green fight is lost. I keep coming back to him. He just got outmanned in that fight. He got outpressured. He got outworked. He faded. He's very good on the feet. He's long. He's 6'3", the division, good strikes. He's doing grappling outside the UFC, so he's working on that. But I just don't know what it is, what these intangibles are that he doesn't have that I don't see yet. And I think Nico Price is has those intangibles to beat him. He's going to rough him up. He's going to get inside. He's going to work that clinch, which he's dangerous in. He's going to try to get him down. This is going to be a decision fight. I think Nico Price, by decision, is the play here. And hopefully he celebrates by having a seventh kid because that's fucking oh. – he's got six. Why not seven? You know what I mean? That's insane. I thought it was five. Thank you. It's now six. I God checked willing, his Instagram. There's a little baby in his wife's lap. It was six. Yeah. Damn. I don't even know what to say. Just one win in the last four fights for Nico Price, who really took some time, Kennedy, to reset his body. Knee surgery, I think, on both sides. And, uh, you know, he's excited to sort of present this full-bodied uh, Nico Price here Saturday night. Your thoughts? Is Nico training in the offseason? What's he doing? I mean, the guy's <laughs> working his hips like a mother. All right, well, listen, I, I think uh, Nico is extremely dangerous, dude. And I love the guy. He is one of the nicest guys out there. And he loves to scrap. He's extremely dangerous. Here's the issue with Nico, though, is that he's not so defensively sound. He can go from almost knocking you out to getting knocked out like 10 seconds later. So he's a hard guy for me to uh, reliably back sometimes. Um, and he's capable of knocking everybody, anybody out, but he's also capable of getting knocked out. I think Phil Rowe, for me, he doesn't have the same level of experience, hasn't faced all the tough guys that – Uh, Nico Price has, but he is consistent. He's a little bit more reliable, and I know he's been working very hard on his overall game. Um, I'm going to take the underdog here. I need need some points. Let's go with Phil Rowe. The Fresh Prince of Orlando, Philip Rowe for Kenflow, plus 120 right now live on DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, main main card opener at middleweight. Kyle Dawkins out of Philadelphia, PA, minus 200. Your boy Eric Anders is plus 170, so Doc is trying to bounce back uh, from that vicious knockout sustained at the hands of Roman Delidze, who we will get to here in a little bit. 15th UFC fight for Eric Anders. He's made it clear he's nearing the end so as to spend more time with his kids. I don't know how much you lean into that narrative as far as your handicap is concerned, but uh, Eric Anders, the underdog, Kyle Doc is the 2-1 to favorite here. Bri, who do you like? I'm so glad you got a your boy in there because every time he fights, it's just your boy. I mean, that's just it's just great. The line seems off to me, though. I mean, the Dawkins brothers were the hottest things coming out of Philly. 
Chris's brothers dropped a few and Kyle's coming off a knockout loss, but two to one seems steep to me. But I think Vegas is right because I'm all over Dawkins here. I think this is a bad matchup for Anders. And, and when I look at Anders, he's bounced around a few camps, right? He was in Alabama. He's bounced all over. I believe he's in Arizona. At least he did his last camp in Arizona. And that Iron Turtle fight bothers me. It was the most play it safe fight I've ever seen. It was clinch, try to take him down, can't get dinged up on the feet and do it over again. And then he was shocked that he lost the decision. Very close fight, I guess, on paper. But Kenny Florian said it best a couple months ago. This isn't 1996. You can't just fucking lean on a guy in the cage and expect to get the W, right? And with Dawkins, who I think is a more craftier grappler than the Iron Turtle, I think he's good on the ground. You look at that Brendan Allen fight, those scrambles were fucking sharp. My only issue here is this is the first time this kid's lost by knockout and has his confidence rattled. I think Eric Anders is a little bit slower. He does have power, but I don't know if it's got that be that big of an issue. So I like Dawkins here. Two to one's a price. I don't love to pay, but I will play it, pay it here. So give me Dawkins. Eric Anders did spend this training camp in Arizona, I believe. Okay. And Kenny, he also has invested a lot of dollars into his body, but he's asked a lot of his body over the years, mm-hmm. right? Not just in combat sports, but obviously as a preeminent linebacker in the SEC, right? Won a national yeah. championship there. I don't know, man. You know, Dawkins obviously has had sort of an up and down UFC career, but he's the big favorite here. How do you see it playing out, Flo? Yeah, listen, you know, I know that Anders recently, or not well, semi-recently, uh, had some stem cell therapy, which I am considering as well for my back, and and I hope that has improved. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about his football career, his fight career. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Um, so I hope that he's physically going to be at his best, but um, it, it's going to be tough. And again, him talking about retirement and all that stuff, um, you know, probably is indicative of his body probably is close to, or he's probably close to having had enough. So, um, yeah. And more than anything else though, I think BP nailed it. It's that, you know, Eric Anders hasn't really evolved as much as you would like to see, uh, in a fighter. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to squeak through a decision against someone like Kyle Dawkins, who really is very aggressive. And I think is going to be a little bit sharper in both, uh, the, on the feet and on the ground. So I, I like call, uh, I like Kyle uh, Dawkins here as well. Eric Anders' best UFC highlight is his UFC debut against Sapo Natal in 2017. Yeah. Like, that's the moment he's been trying to get back to essentially ever since. I know there was a big knockout in there, maybe Tim Williams or someone, but overall, that was the highlight for Eric Anders. We'll see what he does as the dog this weekend against Kyle Dawkins. All right, at middleweight, Jack Hermanson minus 180, Roman Delidze plus 150. These odds are subject to change. DraftKings does not have it up right now. My local guy does for whatever it's worth. Hermanson <laughs> uh, yeah. was to face Derek Brunson. Instead, it will be Delidze, who is stepping up here on short notice just a few weeks after he brutally knocked out somebody else, Phil Hawes. Bry, huge opportunity yeah. for the Georgian Delidze trying to take Hermanson's spot in the top eight or so. Which way are you going here? Boys, this fight has my attention. I mean, this is these dudes are underrated, and I'm glad Delidze stepping up because hopefully he can finally get ranked. I think he should be ranked now. 5-1 in the promotion. That Trevin Giles fight, that could have gone either way, but he's coming off two first-round knockouts uh, and against good competition as well. And Delice has been hot inside and outside the cage. And if you are in the know, my MMA guys, you know what I'm talking about. Huh. There. So this guy is, you know, he's just game all around. He's a freight train. He moves forward. Hermanson is just a pro's pro. He's been in UFC since 2016. Has fucking fought everyone. He showed really good movement last time out against my, my boy, Chris Curtis. 
perfect lateral movement. Chris couldn't cut off the cage and kept falling, kept falling. And then the decision got away from him. Chris wanted to uh, do boxing exchanges and Jack's like, no, we're not going to do that. Cardio's elite submissions elite. This guy's getting better and better. So, but I don't know if the footwork is going to matter when you have Delice who instead of Chris wants to get close and wants to grapple because he is good on top. He has good leg locks. He has good submissions. Hermanson's a very good grappler as well. He might encourage that. But with him getting in that range, I think that cuts off the footwork. I think that cuts into the clinch. And Delice has proven to be a monster in the clinch. That's how he got Phil Halls. That's how he got Kyle Dawkins. This is a tough fight to pick here, but I like Delice in the spot. He's big. He's powerful. He's got this top game. I just, the only thing I'm concerned about is cardio. But when you're giving me dog money, cardio goes out the window. Give me, give me the plus 135, you know, right now, and, and, and I'll take Delice. Kenny, nice watch, better smirk. Sounds like you're in agreement here. <laughs> yeah, damn it. I, I was hoping uh, BP was going to go with Hermanson. Listen, Hermanson can definitely win. You know, I, I could see him uh, squeaking out decision, but I think if there's one person who's going to be more dangerous, who, who could potentially get the finish in this fight, it's the lead say so. Uh, I like the underdog pick there. I think there's some good value. All right, next up at heavyweight, fifth rank, Sergey Pavlovich, minus 195. He's 16 and one favored to beat Ty Tuivasa, who comes back at plus 165. So Pavlovich stopped by Alistair Overeem in his UFC debut back in 2018. Perfect since Bry, 4 and 0 with as many knockouts. That includes a stoppage win over the Black Beast, Eric Lewis. That was in July, UFC 277. Your thoughts on the heavyweights here, both in the top five and a big spot for both men. So this guy's one inch taller than me, right? You know, we're, I'm a big guy. I'm a big boy. You're one tall. Inch tall. He's got 84 inch reach. What's your reach? Like 75, 76, <laughs> T-Rex arms. This guy can tie his fucking shoes without bending over. I mean, this is unbelievable with this guy's reach. Uh, you know, I was excited when he came to the UFC. I knew a little bit about him. He comes in, he drops a dud to the ring, which is okay. And then four first-round finishes. Not the most consistent guy in the world. He is trying to put it together a little bit. And I've turned the quarter on Ty a little bit. I've turned the quarter. I've doubted him a lot of his career, and I'm all up and down on you know, p- picking his fights right. He's an exciting guy. He's an entertainer inside and outside the cage. But my biggest but in this fight is he got in a war and beat up pretty bad in September. And he's already back against a fucking modern day Ivan Drago here who's going to punch his lights out. You know, Ty can definitely win. I, and the number's great. Ty has big power. He's explosive. He's deceivingly fast and athletic, you know, with his build. But man, Pavlovich, the way he jumped on uh, Derek Lewis's last time out and those straight punches and how long his Inspector Gadget fucking arms are, uh, I'm going to go have to Pavlovich by KO. I'm going to play that as well. I'm surprised the line is as low as it is at minus 180. That's pretty juicy to me right now. Yeah, Kenny, I think Brian did hit on some salient points and something I will bring up with Ty in the fighter meeting, at least as far as the calendar is concerned. You know, he was finished by Cyril Gan. That was not that long ago. Epic main event in Paris, obviously. And it came on the heels of a five-fight winning streak for Ty Tuivasa. Seems like maybe he asked McMaynard for a fight and a quick turnaround because it's not as though he's being featured on pay-per-view, right? He's fighting on ESPN+. Plus. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, after that last fight against Cyril Gan, I'm sure he, like, talked to his coaches. He's like... I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's fight. Yeah, Let's go. Let's do another one. A couple weeks later. Listen, I think there's a lot of value in Ty Tuivasa. You know what? I agree with you. I think Pavlov, uh, Pavlovich or Pavlovich, is that Good what enough. we're going with? Pavlovich. Okay. Pavlovich. Okay. Uh, I think I think he's uh, I think he's a big time problem. The dude's a gorilla. I think he hits extremely hard. Um, but Ty Tuivasa, I, I think there's value enough for me, and I think he's dangerous enough to get on the inside. He's most dangerous 
when he gets hurt. <laughs> you know, yeah. you go in for the kill and all of a sudden Ty catches you with something and he takes you out. I like Ty here. Give me the underdog. I need some hey. points. All right. Let's go. Plus 165 right now for Ty Tuivasa. And that has been trending in that direction, right? So if you do like Ty, you may want to wait because it seems like the early action, at least that I have seen, uh, has been on Sergei Pavlovich. All right, at flyweight, Mateus Nicolau minus 365, Matt Schnell plus 300. Ken Flo will lead us off here. Schnell, a huge underdog despite that amazing rally to beat Sumu Darji back in July, one of the best fights of 2022. But Nico Lau is 3-0 and in the second UFC stint, Ken Flo, and uh, coming off a big win in his own right over David Dvorak back in March, right in front of uh, BP there in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Nico Lau and, and a huge price here against Matt Schnell. Yeah, you know, this is... Um... This is definitely aggressive, aggressive pricing here for Nicolau, but I do, I do think uh, he's, he's the better fighter. here. I think he's the more consistent guy. He, he tends to make way less mistakes than Matt Schnell. Um, and uh, while Matt Schnell has proven his toughness time and time again, uh, I think he's a fantastic fighter with a lot of heart and a lot of potential. I just think Nicolau is uh, just a step above in, in, in both the feet and, and on, on the ground. I think Schnell might have a little bit of an edge there, but I think for Nicolau, I, I like the dude. The dude's a Bitcoiner as well. Give me, give me Nicolau. <laughs> I'm going with the favorite here. All right, Brian, what do you have for us? Any value on Matt Schnell plus 300? For I mean, of course. This fight reminds me of my single days, right? Nicolau is the decent-looking girl, the safe choice, more than likely can take her home, right? And you won't get hurt. But huh. Snell's the one who's dangerous, the risky, and by God, it might be worth it. Snell huh. is cashing as a big underdog's last fight. He's actually cashed quite a bit of his underdog uh, in his UFC career. And for some reason, Nicolau just doesn't do it for me. I don't know what I'm missing I saw him live against David Dobrak, who's great. I've seen him beat really good guys. Manel Kopp, very close fight, but Manel Kopp's an elite guy. But it just doesn't come in my head. I just can't get – I think he's not that good. And this price to me is, is crazy, so I'm going to go Snell. Give me the dog. I, I think he can catch him late. I think he Snell likes to take a beating and then eventually will catch him. But Nicolau's right. He does, Kenny's right. Nicolau plays everything safe. So let's see if it, and he's been knocked out before. So let's see if something get caught here. But uh, give me Matt Schnell as the underdog here. Perhaps Schnell's frenetic style will bring out a different side of Nico. Hopefully, yeah, I think and, so. And get a believer out of Brian Petrie. By the way, Kenny Florian will lead us on the main event to give him a little bit of a heads up there. Co-main event though, prohibitively priced. I would think if you like Rafael dos Anjos now minus five forty. He opened minus three thirty. Brian Barberina comes back plus four twenty. And RDA is back in the welterweight division. He's actually in the blue corner, I would think, because of that reason. Because RDA can move into a tie for fifth on the all-time UFC wins list with his 21st here. Brian Petrie, your thoughts on the challenge presented by, by Brian Barberina here to RDA in the co-main. So I do realize his line's very wide. But this might be the lock of the century. And, I, and I, am I taking crazy pills? What am I missing here? I feel like this is, even though RDA is on the wrong side of 30, he can still get it done. I know he's coming off that the, the knockout loss over Rafael Vaziv, but I mean, this guy is is good everywhere. And Barb, Barb Marina, and I mean this with all due respect, is the Homer Simpson of the UFC. His best quality is, I'm going to let you punch me in the face till you get tired. I mean, look at the Robbie Lawler fight. That's exactly what happened. The guy is nails. He's obviously skilled. He's obviously great. I loved him at the press conference a few fights ago where he's wearing overalls. I love it. I love his story. Solomon Columbus, they booed the shit out of him because of the Matt Brown fight. He took it well. But I'm all over RDA here. I think this is a chump play. This is a square play at minus 4, 
540. This is going to be a parlay fodder. This is going to be something you put in a deep parlay. But I actually like RDA by submission. I mean, Barbarine hasn't been submitted since 2010. And I think RDA is taking some shots the last few times out. I think he mixes up, gets the fight to the ground, which Barbarine does not have the best takedown defense. And uh, he looks for a head and arm. He looks for an arm bar. RDA has really good jiu-jitsu. So I'm going to play it by RDA by submission, but the pick is RDA for sure. Nicely done with the handicap there. So Brian Barbarina trying to take out another legend here, Ken Flo. He's won three fights in a row, four of his last five, certainly the best form of his career. Strange loss by Barbarina to Jason Witt yeah, amidst this run in 2021. Close. Yes. Your thoughts, though, on Barbarina here, plus 420 against the legend Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, yeah, Brian, I'm with you on Brian uh, Barbarina. I think he's uh, an awesome fighter to watch. I, I do love his story as well. Dude is just just when you think, you know, you're going to take him out, he finds, you know, another eight, seven, eight, nine, 20 lives in his back pocket. Yeah. Uh, he, he's unbelievable. But uh, here's the problem is that RDA doesn't play like that. RDA plays to win. He is totally fine and outpointing you. Um, and he'll play it safe and he won't engage with Brian Barberina. If RDA gets a little too excited and decides to start to trade or brawl with Brian Barberina, then Barberina is going to have some good value, but I just don't see it happening. RDA has too much experience. Um, and, and for me, his speed um, is, is going to be significant here. He's, he'll have a big advantage there. So uh, RDA as well. All right, we'll go right back to Ken Flo now on the main event. Kevin Holland, minus 140. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, plus 120. Holland, of course, coming off that quick submission loss to Hamzat Shimaev at UFC 279 in September. Wonderboy, first start of 2022. Last win for Thompson, Ken Flo, back in 2020 at the end of the year against Jeff Neal. Your thoughts on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? Here's the underdog against Kevin Holland in our main event. You know, Kevin has improved so much. I think that uh, he's a guy that is um, still showing a lot of potential. I still think he's got a long way to go as far as improving, and he will get there. But I don't know um, about these odds here. This is confusing me, and not that I'm a big odds expert or anything like that. But um, for me, I, I don't know what, what's what's missing here. I know Wonder Boy's probably at the end of his career. He's had a lot of fights, all that stuff, but. I don't know. I don't see Kevin Holland being a strong enough uh, takedown guy to be a threat to, to Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy's gone against guys that are better takedown artists and has been able to stand on the feet. You know, are people figuring him out? I, I think so. I think people are figuring out the blueprint and how to go about it. But I don't think his time uh, is up yet. I, I think Wonder Boy is going to be able to outpoint him. Uh, I think that um, his ability to find angles and catch and confuse Kevin Holland is still there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I don't think the you know any of the talking or any of the the approaches, the tactics from Kevin Holland is going to pose a problem that. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson hasn't seen yet. So I like Wonderboy here. I like him as the underdog. And if you do like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, certainly prefer to get him in the 30-foot octagon in a big arena as opposed to the little UFC apex. Brian Petrie, before we let you fly, your thoughts yeah. on the main event. So does Kevin Holland have the quickest retirement? I mean, I know there's a lot of quick MMA <laughs> retirements. He was quick. And I understand it. You know, came in with that weird situation with Chimaev. Knew it was a bad matchup for him. Chmaev does what Chmaev does. He, he got a little upset, and then they go, you know what? He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Then he go, hey, we got Wonderboy for you. Oh, guys, I'm going to take me. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that fight because he wants to stand up, and it's going to be a great fight, and it is a great fight. 
The only thing I have trouble with breaking down this fight is I think Steven Thompson, the only time he's ever struggled on the feet with somebody was Matt Brown. And that was way back when that was Matt Brown just roughed him up. One of his first UFC losses. And then I guess you can say Anthony Pettis because Anthony knocked him out, but he was teeing off on Anthony before he got knocked out. Kind of got caught. Other than that, when he fights strikers, he dominates him. That Jeff Neal fight was impressive. I think he broke both his thumbs or something in that fight. He looked amazing. Kevin Holland's going to want to stand up. Kevin Holland can take you down, can wrestle. He's a Travis Luter black belt. I don't know how much weight that carries, but he is a black belt. And I think he's going to want to mix it up here. But I also think he's going to stand because Kevin Holland does very well when he stands with people too. His countering is very good. And Kevin Holland has that dog in him. When he hurts you, he, he finishes you. I mean, look at the Jack Ray fight. He's smiling, having a good time. Then he buzzed Jack Ray and then he just murdered him. And he does that in, in the Cowboy Oliveira fight. I don't know if Stephen Thompson has that anymore. Stephen Thompson hasn't had to finish since 2016. His striking is some of the best in the UFC he's ever seen. He's going to be 40 in February. And there's a lot of miles on him with the kickboxing and with, 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 with MMA. And, and the guy does get hit now. It's a tough pick. I agree with Kenny. I thought this would be more of a pick him, but I'm going to be, a, I'm not going to be a valuable. I'm going to be a little chalk boy. I'm going to go Kevin Holland just to mix it up. I think it's super close. I'm out running the window to bet this, but give me Kevin Holland. I was going to say not crossing the border necessarily. Yeah, bet right. Yeah. Event. right. All right. You can find more from Brian Petrie on social media at Brian Petrie MMA host of the MMA Takes podcast. And what a great contributor to the Anakin Florian podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to you and hey, yours. Hey, you too. And uh, we will talk to you next week in advance of the monster that is uh, UFC 282. Absolutely. I'll see you next week, boys. Right, there he is, Brian yeah. Petrie, with us for the main event challenge. All right, don't forget, new episodes of the critically acclaimed UFC Fight Pass original series Fight Lore are coming in early December. Catch up on all of season one and stick with us as we cover the untold stories of tapouts Charles Mask Lewis, the life and death of decorated wrestler Mark Schultz, and the groundbreaking career of Ronda Rousey, all coming in December only on UFC Fight Pass. And at FlorianPodcast.com is live for your merchandise needs. One more sleep merchandise exclusively at millions.co. And don't forget Kenny Florian, martialarts.com. It works without the Boston accent as well. Thank you all for being with us this week. We will be back with you in about six days to preview UFC 282 and see what all went down in Orlando, Florida. With that, for our executive producer, Cody Merrow, for Ray Longo, for Brian Petrie, for Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. Thanks for watching, subscribing, for listening. Tell your friends. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, yo later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. 
Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.